1: listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 519 of Linux in the Shack. This is the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, and this is a deep dive episode. It's going to be kind of a weird one because we're doing a deep dive without a topic. Well, we have some topics, but it's going to be more of a an untopic show, I think, is what we decided to call it. Who knows what the uh, title is actually going to be? Uh, I did actually go digging around for Cheryl's Yeti mic. Have not been able to locate it yet, so. Unfortunately, she's just going to be cooking tonight. So, for the absent W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NA4RD. All right. So, already starting off a little bit weird. So, we, we thought of a couple of things we could talk about, and I guess we'll let, let's just get the scouting stuff out of the way. I know you <laughs> want to talk about Jody, <laughs> Jody because it is coming up here pretty quick. So uh, yes. what what do you want to say about uh, getting online and on the air with the scouts? Yeah, it's coming soon. That's it. No, just kidding.
2: Uh <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Jamboree on the air and Jamboree on the internet is coming up, uh, geez, in a real short bit here, October 20th through the 22nd of 2023. If you're listening to this in the future and you know, just in case, uh, yeah, this year is about the same as every other year. This is the world's largest scouting event. It happens online and on the air. It's a great event to, uh, to participate in as an amateur radio, uh, person. Um, yeah, the, the, the registration process to kind of get you started does, does start on the uh, international website for Joda Jody, and it's uh, jodajoti.info info, just, just like our website, LHSpodcast.info. It's jodajoti.info. And that's where you'll register. You do need a scouting.org account for the uh, SSO. And at that point, you can register your group or your youth. Um, and that's how you can get your JamPuzz ID. And every year, uh, probably yeah, probably for like the last five or six years, they've been doing this JamPuzz project uh, where you get a JamPuzz ID. And then that's sort of like an identifier that you can trade back and forth. Um, you'll be asked about it if you're just even just on Jamboree on the air. Uh, So it's definitely of interest for you to go ahead and register and uh, get that ID. Um, There are a ton of resources of what's going on uh, within the Jamboree on the air and Jamboree on the Internet within the Joda Jodi website. uh, There's uh, uh, an entire uh, what they call a virtual campsite because this is a, uh, you know, a travel free Jamboree, as they like to call it. Uh, in the program areas, you'll find uh, uh, several, well, a lot of things here. Uh, the Challenge Valley is one of those things. The Challenge Valley is, uh, is a space to get inspired to explore all corners of what's going on at the Joda Jodi campsite. So take a look at that. There's some challenges there that you can uh, kind of earn and uh, do. Uh, There's information about the Jamboree headquarters. Um, There's the, uh, let's see, uh, Innovation Lab. I'm just going to read some of these here. Innovation Lab. There's a Fun Zone, Faith and Beliefs, uh, International Campfire, Celebrations Arena. There's a chat room. Uh, Chat rooms are generally uh, on the uh, internet side of things. Uh, There's an IRC channel, an IRC server, uh, ScoutNet. Uh, it's on my other computer. Um, let's see. IRC chat room. Uh, let's see. They have a rocket.chat account and uh, a server and a scout link. Yeah. So that's also where you'll find the, uh, the Minecraft server, which we'll be talking a little bit about Minecraft later on. So there's a little tie in there. Um, there's also, uh, let's see the international leader site. Uh, there's a, J- a Jody live site. That's where you'll find any live content they got going on. Normally They'll have a show opener. Um, that'll be normally streamed on YouTube. Uh, and then they'll also have various other activities and stuff like that that you can uh, uh, find on there. There's the Amateur Radio Hub, which, of course, is us. <laughs> Good old amateur radio. Uh, the Jampas Radio Rec Reflection Office. Um, youth uh, Got Talent Stage, uh, Safety Center, Visuals and Assets, and, of course, the Scout Shop because, you know, they always want to sell some cool international scouting gear. Um uh, for the us again we're we're a big proponent of uh jamboree on the air and jamboree on the internet it's an international event for uh for the scouts bsa so your international chairs inside of your councils and uh, uh geez <laughs> districts <laughs> if i can put my mind together uh will be the ones that uh, should be coordinating this with uh, any activities that are going on uh, i did get a a question from KB6NU uh, the other day during email. He was on a uh, conference call with his local uh, amateur radio group, and they were talking about doing a JOTA event and how, you know, like, what what actually makes up a successful JOTA event. And uh, the first thing that makes up a successful JOTA event is, of course, registering. <laughs> You know, uh, this kind of indicates uh, your participation in the event that gets you your JAMPA's ID. Um, that also gets you onto the international list of stations and uh, active units uh, participating. Uh, the second big thing is if you're if you're into amateur radio and you're doing an amateur radio demonstration area or something to do with amateur radio, it is to bring the amateur radio to where the scouts are. Uh, that is the key, the number one key to success. Uh, it's it's not the you know the field of dreams here. We don't uh, host an event at our at our club station, which might be glorious and awesome and the place we all want to hang out and have an open invitation to scouts to come visit, uh, because generally. The participation might be low because people are busy. People have schedules, people have prior engagements. It's very hard to get people to commit individually at that point. Now, if you're going to host an event. And you pre-schedule to have, you know, various troops bring their scouts over at certain times where you can run them through your activities, whether that be just amateur radio, getting them on the air, or whether that's antenna building, fox hunting, and stuff like that. That's great. Uh, But you want to ensure that you're going to have some attendance. So either take your event to where the scouts are, whether that be an already planned, you know, scout camperee. There's a lot of spookeries going on that weekend because it's the weekend before Halloween. Uh, You can look at all the scouting calendars uh, located on the scouting org webpage. And you can see what's going around on around in your area. Uh, they'll have links to the various councils and districts and stuff like that in your area. And that's where you'll find their events and event calendars and stuff like that. At this point, two weeks out, it's probably a, a little late to be planning, just starting planning your event. Um, but uh, if you go onto uh, uh, the K2BSA website, you'll find all kinds of calendars and information on how to plan and and properly plan your event, you know, months and months out to ensure that your event is successful and that you can have participation and you can have volunteers and everything else. So uh, it's, it's going to be a great weekend. It's, uh, it's normally a couple of uh, uh, um, state CUSA parties are operating. Those generally aren't a big problem. Uh, there's a contest over in Germany. I think it worked all Germany's that weekend as well. They have restricted frequencies. They're down uh, normally below the uh, upper hedge of the, uh, of the general class area. So they're, uh, they're frequency limited to where they can actually contest, and they're policed that way with the log submissions. So those shouldn't be much of a problem. Uh, I've I've never had a big problem getting on the air for a jamboree on the air. Uh, there's yeah. this there's this big round thing in the middle of my radio too that's called a dial. And you can kind of roll it around and find an empty spot and call CQ Jota, CQ Jota. And uh, you're you're bound to get a response back. Uh, you will find a lot of people. A lot of uh, um, people that don't have a lot of experience with HF on HF during that time because they'll be getting scouts on the air and they're not really sure what they're doing. They might be right there on, you know, 14290 or whatever that is. I think it's 14290. <laughs> That's listed as like the scout frequency, calling frequency. Uh, so you'll find a lot of people kind of crowded around there for some reason. Um, but yeah, you know, encourage them if you hear them, call them and get them to roll off like, you know, 14295 or whatever uh yeah get, get help them out you know as as experienced amateur radio operators you know it's our job to kind of pass on good good experiences and good operating practices and stuff like that with regards to the hobby and that's definitely what you can share even if you're not registered as a as a JAMPA's i d uh holder or a joda jody uh registration person, but you want to participate in the event and talk to scouts and help them uh, understand. <laughs> how you enjoy amateur radio and stuff like that uh, feel free to answer those calls and uh, talk a little bit and answer the scouts questions some of them will be really scared and they'll have a script and stuff like that so you know take some time you know be patient and, and and answer their questions and and help them out ask them some questions back get them to open up and start talking on the radio and that's uh that's how we can get this hobby to to continue to grow and 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 move forward so uh jamboree on the air october 20th through the 22nd 2023
0: all right good deal i don't think i I've, I've participated i've talked to scouts and stuff but i don't think i ever signed up for it or maybe i did one year and then didn't participate or something something happened i don't remember <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's optional. If you have scouts, you should definitely sign up because, you know, there, there is something to that. Uh, if you're just a single participating in it, then you don't really have to worry about that too much, but, uh, definitely, uh, definitely always, uh, you know, answer the call, you know, that's always a,
0: always a fun time. Yeah. Very good. And that's coming up quick. So if you want to participate, make sure you, uh, you get registered and do all the all the stuff, and I guess that that goes into it like a database, so you can keep track of of the information and the people who've registered and all that stuff, right?
2: Yeah, the international group does do that. We used to carry a separate registration in the U.S. Uh, area for it, but uh, we haven't since basically COVID, um, and they wanted to push more people because they thought a lot of U.S. stations weren't registering in the international <laughs> website, so they kind of discouraged us to run k 2 K2BSA sign-up separately. I-, I constantly get asked to do it over and over again every year, but uh, um, I, haven't, I haven't yet uh, walked back on that decision to allow international to kind of just drive it forward because it's really an international event. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, you register up there. You normally can uh, search once you're registered uh, other stations and other activities in your area and stuff like that. Um, normally I've had complaints that the website's not that great. it can't search it, blah, blah, blah you know it is what it is uh the key is use you know social media everything else to get your event uh, advertised out there so people know what you're doing and when you're doing
0: it all right sweet good information and uh maybe i'll participate what what were the dates again october 20th through the 22nd 20th through 22nd Ah, that's a bad weekend for me that's show weekend but (laughs) show weekend (laughs) yeah That's uh, when we have lots of bands out here playing lots of music, so... Ooh,
2: play it loud!
0: I play it very loud. <laughs> and I yeah. got tons of stuff that I have to do before, during, and after, so that's a, that's a pretty hectic weekend.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be traveling that weekend myself,
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> I won't be on the radio. Probably not, so... <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess the next thing we had on here was the Minecraft server. Now, what did you say about the Minecraft server? Was there a reference to ours or one for them? Oh, they have
2: one too for uh, Jamboree on the air or Jamboree on the internet. They actually have a they spin up a, a Jody Minecraft server. I, I've never participated in it, but uh, it, it might be something that some people are interested in get doing. It's a it's a way to interact and uh, participate in that kind of aspect. Uh, the, the the cool part about you know uh, Jamboree on the air is integrating portions of jamboree on the internet in with your event as well and i know a lot of people do this whether they you know live stream the event on youtube or they have uh, you know participants on skype and stuff like that they'll have all kinds of ways to interact with other groups and connect with other groups of scouts so that you can do this and one of those things is minecraft so and you know know, people like playing video games so
0: there it is well that's very true and to that end as you mentioned before we have our own minecraft server for anyone who's not aware i don't remember when we spun it up it was like in may something like that it's been around a little while a little while yeah and we do have uh, several regular players including myself and cheryl and bill and several of our listeners are also on there on a pretty regular basis so it's a fun server. I've been enjoying it. We are currently running 1.20.1 and have been running that code base for a little bit now. They have recently released the an actual release of 1.20.2, but we did notice uh, that there were some plugin compatibility issues. So if you're one of those people who uses Prism Launcher or some other method of, of putting a bunch of plugins into your minecraft client it's it's not entirely ready for prime time we found at least at least two right it was um it was mini hud and uh inventory was it inventory or was it free cam one, one of the two yeah free cam yeah, free free cam. Cam. yeah. doesn't Which, work yet i'm sure i'm sure it'll be coming around quickly you know they they do tend to keep those up pretty well and uh, so so at some point, when, when all of that stuff that <laughs> Bill and Cheryl and I generally use uh, actually has a release for 1.20.2, we'll be upgrading... I was having weird problems with a computer that did not want to run one point twenty point two, but it turns out it doesn't really want to run anything. So it, it could be some sort of hardware issue. I was having NVIDIA driver problems and weird Java errors and all kinds of crap. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went back to the other machine that I was running on, and one point twenty just runs fine. So yeah, because I was getting what I was getting an FPS of six. I think was what <laughs> was. <Yeah. laughs> it was uh, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Six is uh, not exactly playable. If you've ever tried to watch a movie at six frames per second, it's not a movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bunch of static images. Um, yeah, so that wasn't working out for me. But if you want to join the Minecraft server, minecraft.lhspodcast.info, please do so. We'd love to have you. And if you've never tried Minecraft before uh jump on there it's a lot of fun it can be very addictive i know uh, i don't want to mention anybody any australian's name who spends a lot of time on minecraft but you know <laughs> <laughs> some people are are quite addicted to the game like i myself am i just i <laughs> i just built a huge machine to make trees of all things <laughs> oh a tree farm nice yeah i made a tree farm because i wanted some charcoal um <laughs> So, so. And, and if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, it's, it's weird. You can build things to do things. <laughs> it's There's really not much you can't do with it. I guess it's just, you know, within the context of Minecraft and the, and the setting that it creates, but yeah, if you haven't tried it, I know the first time I tried it, I was not impressed with it, but when you, when you get a little bit of handholding and shown like how, how deep down the rabbit hole you can go with the game. Yeah. I find it fascinating now. So and there's never, uh, there's never been a time so far in months and months and months that I've been playing it that I have said to myself, "Gee, you know, I'm kind of done with this." And there's, you know, there's nothing more to do. Now, there's always something more to do. So,
2: yeah, and just a little bit about our world. It's a, it's a uh, survival world. It uh, does have keep inventory on, so should you die, you do not lose all of your stuff that you're holding. So it's, it's kind of like a friendly server. We haven't uh, set up any claims and stuff like that because we really haven't had anyone come in and grief the server yet but you know hey maybe this is an invitation to do that so we uh, set up claims <laughs> I, mean, I think we've we've only had like one questionable person come on the server and some stuff sort of disappeared out of chests and stuff like that but uh nothing that uh, is not uh, replaceable uh yeah so uh, but uh, yeah we have a, a lot of like end game farms and everything else set up in it so uh, you know should you uh, need a need a jump start on your uh, your minecraft world and and area uh we definitely have resources to help you out in doing so i mean if we don't have a farm for it we'll probably likely want to build a farm for it <laughs> or maybe you can show us how to build a farm for it and uh we'll get the get the get the materials uh, together and and get them over to wherever you decide to settle in so uh we've had a had a couple of people like randomly all over the map so i'm always interested to see where people are building and stuff like that i uh i fly around the map a lot and burn through a lot of rockets <laughs> to try to See where I can find, uh, you know, uh, houses that are are not uh, generated and stuff like that. So it's it's always fun just to kind of see what other people are building and what they're up to. I see a see a lot of. A lot of stuff going on in the nether uh over in the far side of the map so uh so yeah it's 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 a lot of fun a lot of people are on there spending some time with their friends and stuff like that including us so yeah come on join us uh have fun playing some minecraft and as soon as we're ready for the upgrade to 2 we'll we'll go ahead and push that out um again it's a like russ said it's it's, it's a couple of plugins that we use as admins on the server that we kind of like to have <laughs> so, so really it's waiting on us to uh to make those, uh, those final decisions on, uh, when it's, when it's ready for us. Uh, if you just have the regular client, you just set up, uh, uh, set up the specific game version in your launcher, and you don't have to run any plugins to actually join the server. Uh, you can join; it's a purely vanilla server. There's there's nothing on there that uh, that
0: isn't already available in the vanilla game. So we uh, have a couple of server side plugins that are like we have our Discord integration and stuff like that. So if you're on our Discord server, you can communicate with people from inside the game to outside the game and vice versa, which is kind of nice and and so on. But uh, those, of course will work if you're just running a straight client anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, that's great. All right, cool. So uh, Ubuntu 23.10, it's coming out really, really soon. I'm thinking in the next week, I think, is about when it should actually get released. There is, of course, a beta version that is available. Uh, 23.10 is called Mantic Manticore, right? That's I think that's right. <laughs> Manticore. Mantic Manticore
1: yeah. yeah manticore look- is
2: that right? Yeah, I thought it was a uh,
0: oh and now you got me all messed up. Oh no, I, yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure I screwed it up. Mantic Minotaur. <laughs> minotaur.
2: Manticore. That's, That's what I was like I couldn't even think of the word anymore. <laughs> Butchered it so bad. I was like, uh that doesn't sound right, but I can't even think about it in my head now.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Mantic Manticore and like I said I had to look you up You said it
2: wrong again. Minotaur minotaur
0: what didn't i say did i say yeah, mantic organ yes you did okay so mantic minotaur fine minotaur the <laughs> and i had to look for mantic and mantic means prophetic so it's a prophetic minotaur whatever that wow. <laughs> um i okay so uh this is kind of rolled into the next topic for me i know you threw it into a virtual machine what did you what did you get out of the the beta version
2: So yeah, everything, uh, I, I noticed some new stuff in the installer. So it's definitely got the, the new installer present. Um, now I didn't install 2304, so I don't know if it's the same. So maybe you could answer to that uh, particular aspect. Um, so I had a few extra options throughout the installation process, but just, it was still just pretty simple. to kind of, you know, bust through the entire installer and uh, get up and going. And of course, uh, this is, uh, the, the vanilla version of, uh, of Ubuntu, uh, the one with the GNOME in it, and their uh, you know little sidebar and and all the other good stuff here. So uh, GNOME is version forty five and uh, I selected the uh, the dark theme because I'm that kind of person. So I like it dark. Oh, I go and- straight
0: to the dark side no matter what. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I just spun it up here in uh, in uh, QEMU, and uh, yeah, it j- installed just fine. As soon as I cleared out some space on my virtual hard drive storage area, which is apparently attached to the wrong mount point, but I'll fix that at a later date. <laughs> and uh, yeah, installed rather quickly. I did uh, installed all the options. It's a, it's a beefy boy uh, uh, image. It's at 4.3 gig download right now in beta. So I'm not sure how much more they're going to shrink that down. I'm certain that at this point in the beta, everything is frozen. So it's just basically installer bugs and anything else that could possibly pop up. Uh, the kernel that comes with it is a 6.5.0-9. So it's a quite uh, advanced kernel. Um, so some of your older systems might have some problems with this, but some of the newer ones will be much, much more happier with this. Uh, my virtual machine is running on top of a uh, AMD Ryzen 7. So, and it seems to run just fine. Uh, no problems there. Uh, I did install the uh ham radio pure blend packages, the the meta packages, they all installed just fine. I didn't see any errors throughout that process whatsoever. WSJTX version is 2.6.1, I believe. Uh, JS8 call is 221 dev, uh, which is I think the same possibly <laughs> in the previous version that I ran. Um, and uh, what did I run into? Oh, yeah, CQR log, yeah, it didn't work out of the box because uh. <laughs> Always it wanna, does. Yeah, yeah, because it never does, right? <laughs> it will eventually, I'm certain. I'm certain. I've, I've been told it works fine in a certain Fedora version um, that I've been uh, told to uh, to work on. Um, but yeah, as soon as I installed MariaDB and just whacked the uh, .config slash CQR log directory and said, oh, it's a brand new install. Bada bing, bada boom. It came up fine, installed fine. Uh, updated the uh, dxcc list and everything else no problems so yeah uh, just out of the box everything there works fine you get all the great logger programs klog cqr log wsjtx uh, you get the sdr programs like uh, gqrx um, uh, all the GNU radio stuff is in there uh, the only thing that wouldn't be in there would be like the sdr plus plus or um what was the other one oh sdr angel so those you'd have to sideload at some point. I didn't test sideloading those yet. I'm assuming there's probably not a PPA support at this point for it. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, pretty rock solid for a new Ubuntu release. So
0: what what did you see when you you played around with it? Well, okay, I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna do this kind of backwards because the next topic is a little longer than my experience with Ubuntu 23.10. I was actually able to get it to run from a Pixie boot, however. I couldn't get it to install. It kept giving me server error, server error, server error, and I could not get through the install process. So I could see it. I could see the desktop. I could see that there were some minor changes. There were some minor changes to the installation uh, screens and, and whatnot, but I could not get it to fully install because uh, I was using a utility that I guess we should just roll into. <laughs> um, because I can't really add much to the twenty three point ten. Other that there, other than that, were there were definitely some changes. The the desktop looked more different. So so twenty three point oh four, which I only have running on one machine, looks more like twenty two oh four and twenty two ten than twenty three point ten. So they have made some significant changes. Uh, I think it's mostly subtle stuff, uh, but you will notice that there is a difference when you when you upgrade. I didn't notice much of a difference when I went from 2204 to 2304. So, um, so there's a <clears throat> utility that we've been talking about for the past, I don't know, several episodes at this point <laughs> called Ventoy. And originally when I was told about this, it was basically a way to put this application onto a USB flash drive. Copy a bunch of ISOs onto it and then you boot that USB flash drive and it allows you to then either run ISO files or do installations as if the USB flash drive had all of those distributions on it. You can hack as many ISOs onto the flash drive as you have room for. So Bill and I actually went out and bought big USB flash drives. And just started copying a bunch of isos onto them and that allows you to like boot into any of those things it also allows you to um skip if you decide that you don't want to boot into any of the stuff that's on the, the ventoid drive you can actually just skip and go back into the normal bootloader so you could actually keep ventoid installed you know the whole time if you want to however <clears throat> There's a new project called iVentoy, and I use that for the first time today, and it's really cool. What it does is it turns Ventoy as a USB booter into a Pixie booter. So you just have a machine, a Linux machine or a Windows machine. You install iVentoy on it. Uh, there's some basic configuration you have to do. You have to tell it like what the DHCP range is that you want, the network, the uh, gateway, DNS servers, stuff like that. Uh, then there's a directory in the install called ISO, and you copy all your ISO files into there. And then it, you run it from a bash script, at least I did from Linux. Uh, it's also a Windows executable. And when you do that, it brings up a web interface on port 26000. And in that web interface, you can go in and make configuration changes. You can see all the ISOs that are installed. Um, you can set up MAC filtering so that it only allows or disallows certain Mac addresses to boot from it. Um, The uh, ISO management allows you to see all the ISOs, see all their checksums. You can password protect the Pixie boots if you want. You can do all kinds of cool things with it. And once you've done that and you click start, uh, you can also get it to auto start because it can run on whatever. Uh, So when your machine comes up, it'll run. And then, after that, you don't actually have to look at the GUI anymore if you don't, you know, if you don't want to. Uh, anytime you add an- another ISO to it, you can go in and, re- and refresh, and it will add it to the list. And then what it does is you can put any computer on the network and boot it up in uh, Network Pixie boot mode, and you'll get a Pixie, you'll get a Ventoy screen uh, with all the ISOs listed, and you can boot your computer into any of them. You can use the installers if you want. You can run them live from the Pixie boot, if you want. And uh, that worked great. Um, I installed Debian on a machine. I ran Debian on a machine. I ran Ubuntu on a machine. I installed Ubuntu on a machine. And when I got to Mantic Minotaur, uh, it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> um but as a proof of concept it, abs- it absolutely works it's fantastic i am literally going to download every iso i want to onto my uh pixie loader machine now and anytime i've got a computer anywhere in the house or anywhere on my network that i need to boot into something or install a different os on i'm just going to pixie boot it and install it from there i never need another thumb drive unless i'm away from home so uh i thought it was super slick
2: that sounds awesome <laughs> 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 sounds dangerous for somebody like me that likes to flip uh, os's but you know. Oh
0: yeah, I mean, because you can run things live because it'll run in live ISO mode, of course, like anything else. So even if you have a computer that's got some other OS on it, if you just want to like randomly boot into, you know, Dragonized Garuda one time or whatever, you know, just flip over. Flip over to your network boot, and your computer will run that for a while. And when you reboot, you're back to whatever. No, so. it should
2: always run that. What are you talking about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what I
2: mean. <laughs> oh, and, all uh, the other one. So your base install has to be a Garuda, and then the rest is everything else you try. Well, okay, I get, right. it. I get it. I get it. I get it.
0: <laughs> uh, and the in the GUI, it actually keeps tracks of all the clients that are booting, what IP address they have, what MAC address they have, what ISO they've booted from, etc. So... You can keep track of uh, all the machines on your network, what they've been using and and what uh, ISOs they've been uh, pilfering from your Pixie Booter machines. So, so this is not
2: cool. the same as like a, uh, um, not the same as like a, like a terminal server. So this is just sort of just different,
0: right? It's not, it's not a terminal server. It, it's actually like. Just think of it as the USB drive that you're booting from is on a different machine. That's all.
2: Okay. Okay. Just some people might not understand the difference. Cause, like, yeah, if you had like a thin client, you know, I don't know if we have many of those these days, but <laughs> you know, a thin client. <laughs> Yeah, you'd boot a terminal, you'd have a, like basically an X term or whatever would throw up an X session on your on your, you know, thin client, and then you would see everything else. But uh, this is actually down in the network card area where it actually has PXE boot. So Papa X-Ray Echo boot, you probably see it sometimes if you have like the the long boot screen on some of your devices and stuff like that, If so you have fast boot turned on or something like that, where it hides everything behind a splash screen of Dell or, or, uh, you know, what have you, whatever brand you're to be booting booting, you might not even see the PXE uh, screen.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention is in the configuration of iVentoy, you can actually change like the background image of the bootloader and stuff like that. So you can, you can password protect it. You can change the resolution. You can put your own background images. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So if you got a lot of computers that need to boot off of something, um, obviously it'll it'll run it with the resources of your local client. It's not a thin client. It's not running it on the server. It's running it on your machine, so it is uh, restricted to whatever resources you've got locally. Um, I'm I'm planning on using it just as an installer kind of thing, but
2: yeah, it's pretty slick. I'm definitely gonna install it on my server here. <laughs> just because.
0: Just recall, Just remember that it does have to run as root um, because. The ports that it opens, like port 69 and port 123, those are reserved. Yeah. So it must run as root. Yeah. But yeah, I've been to it. Super, super slick. Um, They have a paid version, which gives you some additional features, but Mm -hmm. I don't see that there are any features that I would need. So the free version works for me. It does limit you to 20 simultaneous clients. Big whoopee. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
2: If you have more than 20 in your house, you might want to consider something else.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a version is only like 50 bucks. So, um, uh, well,
2: that's not much. I almost want to pay it just to support the author
0: if it's that useful. Yeah. And they also have a donate link too. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And then one other thing I found out about Ventoy, and I'm not sure how useless or how useless or useful I should say uh, this this feature is because it's not something that I can think of an immediate use case for in my you know workflow. But it does allow you to take if you create if you create a virtual box and it is on a file system that's a VDI file system, you can actually use the regular Ventoy to boot a VDI onto bare metal. Mm. Uh, there's a plugin it's downloadable. And it allows you to do that. So if that's a case where you like, you know, you have a virtual machine and you want to actually run it on a different computer as bare metal instead of in the virtual machine environment, uh, Ventoy will allow you to do that as well.
2: But that allows you like to like, pre-configure an install and a running install with users and everything else, and just kind of randomly boot it from all of their machines. Boot it from another machine,
0: yeah, absolutely. I can like I said, in my work, in my use case, I can't think of a, like an immediate need for that kind of thing. But it is something it can do, which is really cool. Yeah,
2: that's. That's
0: kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, and I know, I mean, Ventoy's been making the rounds a lot. I've heard a lot of other shows and stuff like that talking about. In fact, I just heard an episode of uh, uh, one of the Jupiter broadcasting shows. They were just talking about installing Windows with it. And apparently it gives you a couple different options for installing Windows with the uh, Windows ISO. So it allows you to boot it on some some machines that don't really like booting on the ISO image. Uh, so uh, I suggest you, uh, if you're booting Windows with uh, Ventoy, I would suggest listening to that episode and you can hear the fun shenanigans that they were up to install installing Windows and complaining about Windows 11 and getting it installed <laughs> I just thought that was a an odd odd show topic but it was pretty fun
0: And uh, one thing that I will say is if I remember correctly and I'm pretty sure this happened on the machine that I was trying it on it will boot a Windows ISO just like any other kind of ISO so if you want to use a Windows installer using Ventoy and pixie boot you can do that and as far as I know if you're booting Windows 11 from the Windows 11 ISO via Ventoy, it it bypasses like the TPM checks and stuff like that. So it'll allow you to run Windows 11 on technically unsupported hardware.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think they uh they covered that too in that that podcast they were talking about because some of the machines they were putting them on were not appropriate for <laughs> Windows 11, <laughs> including like a dev one. I believe Chris was installing it on uh, his on a dev one, so.
0: Yep. So, that might be useful for somebody too. <laughs> Yeah, very good stuff. All right. Well, that's all I've got for topics. You got anything else you want to hit? No, I think that covers it. I mean, it definitely looks like 2310
2: will be a nice, solid uh, release. I mean, this is the one that normally looks the most like the next LTS. So uh, if you're interested in uh, that next 24.04 LTS coming out, uh, I would have a look at 2310 um, and start, start kind of seeing any of the changes and stuff like that that you like or don't like. Uh, because it'll be coming to your distro soon if you're uh, an Ubuntu-based distro.
0: (laughs) Yep, I didn't have any problem installing 22.04, like the LHS version of 22.04, using the Ventoy or using iVentoy. Uh, but Mantic Minotaur did not like it for some reason. Not sure what the issue was. So could just just be buggy.
2: buggy (laughs) Something weird.
0: Yeah, something odd, but... All right, well, with that, we're down to announcements and feedback, and we do have some, so Bill, I'll let you hit this first one here.
2: Yeah, sure. This is an email from W4JED, and he says, uh, or, yeah, he jim uh download and install the rust programming language package or programming package write hello world app right click on binary select properties gasp when you read that the hello world is a whole meg of a binary oh my goodness uh since most of the processors i write code for have ram that measures in k i suggest i'll stick with either c or python since python will do both uh, install and interpret in less than a meg. And this is from Jim Daldry, uh, W4JED. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. This, this could be an older comment. I know there's ways to minify it. Rust is obviously out there in the embedded world quite, uh, quite growing prolifically at this point uh i think uh maybe uh maybe not running the production binary maybe running just the uh the the debug binary is the one he was seeing so um yeah i don't know I, i've kind of played around with rust uh quite a bit myself and um, i'm quite impressed with some stuff in it uh yes it's way easier to write it in python and with the uh, mini Python and Cython and the 5,000 other interpreters for Python, it's it's obviously really easy to do microcode on it because it's very select. It's not like you're importing uh, uh, NumPy. So, yeah, do that with your next uh, embedded project with Python. Bring in NumPy and, <laughs> and see how that works for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and of course C C of course is going to be fine yeah yeah but uh yeah rust don't give up on it just because of this comment uh i think uh, i think it's definitely something worth looking at it's uh it's definitely fun to play around with
0: all right and thanks for the comment jim we appreciate it and i have another comment here from aaron uh, k5etg yeah, it's kind of a long comment, but uh, here we go. Hey Russ, I try to listen in on LHS whenever I get the chance. I've been fighting with a Raspberry Pi for a couple of years and finally gave up and ordered another. <laughs> Isn't that the definition of insanity? Mm-hmm. Doing something <laughs> and expecting a different result. Um, I run Windows 10. He says Windows 10 on my main PC for now. My wireless dongle will not work with Linux no matter how hard I try. Um, wireless dongles are like eight bucks on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, let's see so once i get a new one then i'll be 100 percent linux i do prefer linux over windows but i'm not yet good with linux yet for years i've been using n3jp's amateur contact log once i switch over to linux i will probably use cqr log one of the cloud log one of of the features i love the most about the ac log is the ability to send cw via keyboard if you have the cw interface the cw bug has bitten me pretty good problem is i can't send cw i have a whole host of back and neck problems which has led to neurological issues i got tired of the frustration and trying to force myself to be able to use a key or paddle so i started sending via keyboard as many people do. I do have some Arduino based on device, or Arduino based devices that allow me to send CW with a keyboard when I'm operating portable or my version of POTA. Due to my back, I rarely am able to leave the house. So I go, I got into patio on porch, patio or porch on the air. Uh, nice. <laughs> the other POTA. Uh, yeah the other photos uh when i'm in the shack i like being able to send cw using the keyboard on my pc i don't have the room to use multiple keyboards on my desk i'm just wondering if there is a linux program that will allow me to send cw via computer keyboard i'm not really interested in decoding as i prefer to do that with my head i just need to be able to send via a keyboard thank you uh he did type seven two aaron got the k5 atg blog uh, pretty sure he meant 73, but uh, <laughs> no, 72 works out as well. Yeah. Oh, 72 is good too. I don't, yeah. I, I've yeah. never seen that before.
2: Oh yeah, I think uh, Neil does it all the time too. <laughs> 72,
0: 73 is 88. Although I guess so. <laughs> well, I know the 88 ones. I just I don't think I'd ever heard 72 before. But okay. Yeah. Um. So so the applications that allow that decode CW like WSG, not WSGTX. Um. The other one. Um,
2: CQR log.
0: No 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 no. Um. FLD- oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah, it but CQR yeah. log has has a hook in for uh, for doing uh, the CW backend. Yeah, right. So you you can just bring up uh, the thing and start typing, and it'll start keying for you. So his his problem's already solved with what he wants to use.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Any of the applications that allow you to receive CW generally have a hook into sending CW. They'll just they'll they'll either like uh, FS, FSK modulate the the uh, radio. Oh, yeah, but he doesn't or,
2: even need that. He doesn't even need. Right, that. Right. Yeah, he should just use the CW Demon, and that's it. So he just needs to be able to set... Yep. So, yeah, he doesn't even need to go into like a decoder that can also send with AFSK. You can well, actually have something that plus. uses WinKey or uh, right. like CWDemon and uh, what's the other one? Uh, the, something. TWCW. Gear.
0: We got to mention TED's stuff. Right?
2: Oh, yeah. TED's. TED's. Yeah. TWCW. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty certain that works the same way. Um, yeah. Either one will work fine. Pops up a little thing. You just start typing and it'll actually, uh, yeah, it'll actually start keying. Uh, if you have like a USB <laughs> WinKey <laughs> or whatever uh, already set up, that you've been using with uh, the N3JP's uh, contact log, uh, it'll be exactly exactly the same. Uh, and I've used it before myself with the uh, CQR log. So I,
0: I know, I know it works. It works great. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Very good. So thanks, uh, Aaron, for the message. Uh, hopefully that's helpful. And uh, hopefully some people will hear you on the air on CW. And yeah. uh, you got a message from uh, Anthony.
2: So. Yeah, and 0WJE pinged me here on uh, Discord in a private message said, "Hey Bill, I was watching your Fedora 34 series and I wanted to let you know that I'm using Fedora 38." Well, so am I on my server. <laughs> I installed all of the software both GUI and command line and everything installed. SDR++ SDR Angel, no compiling needed. Yeah, might want to revisit that video. Uh GMOM so thank you very much, uh, uh, Anthony. Yes, I know. I know I'm I'm horribly bad at keeping those videos updated. And I know there's a lot of interest in it because I see we still get a lot of views on our Ubuntu one. I, I believe that one was installed with like 1810 or something like that. So it's been a minute uh, since I've been on there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, to rerun through all those videos again with the, the latest, greatest. I'm going to probably wait for Fedora 39, which is also due out here pretty shortly. Uh, i'm running 38 on the servers right now and uh uh, that runs really well um so yeah yeah we're we're definitely due to kind of revamp those and and give them uh some fresh paint and uh show everything that's that's new and what's working what isn't working obviously we can add you know 23 tens 10s an inability to cqr log on load (laughs) (laughs) we can expand that series as well will it or will it not CQR log. That is the question.
0: Uh, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for your message, uh, Anthony. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, look forward to adding some more content on our YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, we're definitely looking into doing that. So things have been kind of mm-hmm. lax and busy and, uh, you know, we're kind of all over the place. Bill's going to be out of town and then I'm going to be out of town for two weeks. And yeah, coming up here pretty quick. So things are going to be a little chaotic for a little bit, but we're we're getting them out when we can. We really are. That being said, we're down to our new subscribers, supporters, and live participants. There are some more, but since we're going to be recording again in the next few days, I didn't uh, go dig around. Uh, you'll get mentioned here on the next episode for sure. We don't leave anybody out except for some people on Facebook, and that's not my fault. What seems to be happening is when Facebook, when people uh, j- subscribe to us on Facebook, it gives me a thing that says uh, X person and Y person and seven other people have followed you on Facebook, but there's no way to find out who those seven other people are. So useful. (laughs) Yeah. So I apologize for anybody who's followed us on Facebook that doesn't get a mention. It's not my fault. If I can figure out a way to find, to get a list uh, in chronological order of the people who are following us on Facebook again, used to be able to do that uh, seems to have gone away. Uh, I will definitely start mentioning everybody again. Uh, I apologize, but it's, uh, it's face baggery. So <laughs> so anyway, we do have some people who joined us on Facebook. We have Arthur Bryant, James Merritt, Jerry Lane, Ahmad Alholy, Laurie Lori Tevajarvi, and Owen Vernon. Uh, nobody on X. A couple folks on YouTube, Alex Starr and John Best. On Discord, we had Ryan, KE0, SHV, Logan. Why does this seem like an old list?
2: <laughs> that seems old. This new sake was, uh, was uh, Aaron from
0: last week. Yeah, let me look and see if there's anybody new, because this one I can just pop right up.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, we do have the, the join list, right? The welcome list. Oh, yeah, there's that other ones you could put in here.
0: Yeah, Driven oh. Mats, Meister H. No, we did those. MSU Bobcat 2005, I think that's new for sure. Mike MacWilly is new. Um, let's see. NX70. a boosted the server boost yeah and i've i boosted it too so we're nitro now oh geez can yeah.
2: do like full full hd content in our videos
0: <laughs> yep uh erin zahau rich n1ndf and uh dan kb6n you joined oh, for like the 100th time, hundredth so. time
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he must be burning
0: uh, through all his email addresses Yeah, and I know these other ones are also old. So I'm just gonna have to dig through and uh in the next one I'll just get everybody. So so somebody got double mentions and the new folks will get mentioned on the next show. Sorry about that, but we'll definitely make sure we get everybody. And uh in the live chat tonight we had Steve KJ5T, Ted W A Zero E I R, and Darren VK60K, light night, but that's because we're recording at a weird night. So not terribly surprising. So thanks, everybody, for, for joining us in the live chat or downloading the show or just being a participant, supporting us financially, being a listener, getting out on the social media to promote us. Whatever it is you do, we really appreciate it, and we're glad that you're a listener of Linux in the Shack. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this deep dive episode number 519 of Linux in the Shack, and we'll catch you on the next one. Have a great week. For the On Assignment, Cheryl, W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Shack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at LHSpodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909 LHS Show. That's 1909 547 7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.